Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Our guest, Karen Day, is a writer, photographer, television producer, and filmmaker. She focuses on humanitarian issues in exotic locales. Afghanistan, Cuba, Myanmar, pre-war Iraq, pre-Madonna Malawi, Hollywood, and Washington, D.C. have offered her excellent scenery and exciting opportunities to dodge bullets and write for national publications like Moore Magazine, O, The Los Angeles Times, and The Pentagon. NBC Nightly News featured her lunch date with Dr. Anthrax in Baghdad, and she spent time with the Dalai Lama and in a refugee camp outside of Kabul. And Karen produced and directed Nell Shipment, The Girl from God's Country. And Carol, I understand that film won your Roy Dean Film Award, right? Yes, Claire, from the heart. is so honored to have a small part in that brilliant historical documentary. Karen, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Okay, well, let's get into some of the things that you do because we have so much to share with filmmakers on production, selling, making, selling, and uh, getting your money back for your docs and all the fun that you have during this. So I know that you work as a freelance, as a work for hire, to pay for your support while you're making these really heartfelt documentaries. And I know that you were just in India and Nepal, so tell us about these jobs. Well, I'm lucky enough to make make a living as a filmmaker, but uh, it's always a challenge when you have a passion project for a personal uh, production like Nell Shipman, uh, The Girl from God's Country. I just was in India and Nepal. I've also been in Colombia and uh, in Rio. And next into Kenya, it's a documentary. This is my fifth global health documentary with Harvard University. And it is uh, an incredible story about these female doctors who are using an 80-cent device to save women's lives in the third world uh, from preventable death of postpartum hemorrhage. Women are very compromised with anemia uh, in the third world, and so they have a tendency to bleed to death after they give birth. And there's an 80-cent device that's been invented by a doctor from Harvard, and these incredible doctors in the most rural, compromised situations are saving women's lives. So that's what we're out doing on this film. Wow, that's very important. What a small uh, amount to pay for a product that saves the lives. So then it's really up to the physicians, and it's up to the education of the people in the area that they that, that is a potential danger for them. They may not know that. So having them educated through your documentaries would be very beneficial, Right. Oh, well, the purpose of doing the documentary is to really move the needle 
on uh, exactly what you were saying, that the uh, medical establishment that uh, in some ways is a very heavy construct with bureaucracy and special interests, just like most of our capitalistic businesses. And uh, this, this simple device, it's an Occam's razor where, you know, the most simple solution usually is the right answer. But uh, there are pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies and lots of different uh, entities in, in the way of implementing so, something so simplistic that could save lives. And what we're trying to do is, is tell the human story of these doctor, doctors who are sacrificing so much and getting results so that, uh, you know, the, the, the awareness of the audience can force the issue on a global level. So I, I feel really honored to do this work. And, and well, back to the original question, it's how I make a living uh, besides writing, doing journalism, while I'm making independent documentaries. Right. So you, normally when you shoot, you work as a producer, director, and you have an all-female crew. But you've been doing that for years, right? Yeah, it's one of the great things that um, – one of the real joys is being able to mentor women, uh, young women in filmmaking. You know, it's just, uh, it's a real tipping point right now in the industry. And there's so much opportunity and it's difficult to find a mentor. So that part of uh, being an independent is real. It's a gift. It's a real gift. Um, it's always, it's always stressful to be an independent. It's not like, uh, anything that's a passion project, you know, if you're an artist, is, is stressful. Um, but you know better than anyone. I think you're one of the, the major voices in uh, how to manifest and believe in yourself that, you know, that you can get things done. I call it the Harry Potter effect. You know, I <laughs> put my mind to an idea and start whipping, whipping results out of the, out of the ether. <laughs> I might as well have a magic wand. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what it takes. It's that faith and belief and the connection to the universal energy to put yourself in a place where they bring things to you, where you pick up the phone and you're calling someone and they tell you to call somebody else because they're looking for what you want and all this synchronicity and wonderful things really start to happen. Don't you find that? Well. Yeah, I I think so. I, I, you know, I personally, since I've, you know, I choose to work in some, <laughs> in some really dangerous situations, um, you know, not only because uh, it's interesting and it's necessary, but because it's important to tell the stories where people don't have a chance to speak for themselves. But the idea, I'm always, you know, people go, aren't you frightened? And I'm like, usually not, because I'm very engaged in what I'm doing. Um, but uh, I, I pretty much think the universe says yes. So if you're scared, it's like the dogs can tell if, if you're afraid of them. Um, so uh, I, I just try to remember that the universe is going to say yes. So if you say, I'm not afraid, then the universe says, yeah, you're not afraid. You get Sometimes, through it. you know, you right. fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Right. Well, I want you to tell us something about the last time you worked on as your own project, Bamboo and Barbed Wire, how important that film is right now, and tell us how it's doing. Um, Bamboo and Barbed Wire is a documentary that chronicles the life of a 17-year-old Syrian refugee girl here in Idaho and how her life in this political climate 
parallels the lives of former detainees incarcerated Japanese Americans during World War II. And unfortunately, you know, with uh, what's happening at the border and the uh, great deal of uh, discrimination, racial discrimination uh, against all kinds of immigrants, but just just racial discrimination across the board is on the rise. Uh, it seems like we don't learn anything from history, but it's it premiered at Gina Davis's film festival in May. Uh, it has world premiere. Then it was invited to Sheffield Docks in which is a, a very prestigious documentary film festival. And it's since been invited to 12 film festivals this fall, including Raindance in London, which I think is one of the premier, I, I was there previously with Girl From God's Country. And uh, the support that they give uh, these independent voices from around the world at Raindance, it's one of the premier independent film festivals. And a lot of distributors, uh, are there from around the world, which you normally would never run into. And as an independent, you know, you don't get to go to Cannes or get to go to Toronto, sometimes to Sundance, but by that time you've already been picked up. I think there's a lot, uh, you know, in, in the film festival world that independents have still have to learn the hard way. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to get accepted and then I'm going to be distributed and then I'm going to be famous. No, it's actually, there's a lot of internet and, uh, like the the dark web, the dark world politics that go on in film festivals. So um, it's it's a good way to meet people and make connections, uh, but it's it's not as simplistic as it appears. It, the film festivals and distributors uh, are in the business of making money on movies and you know producers and writers and directors and cinematographers are in the business of making movies and it's a hard lesson to learn that they're two different businesses right and they're going to take your film for the cheapest price they can get it because they know you're finished you're tired you don't want to (laughs) go any further and they take advantage i really believe that and of course, um, I, I, I think work, that yeah. you, yeah, I think that they can take advantage. Um, I think it's important to, this is one of the reasons why doing this kind of, you know, blog talk radio or having what you do on the weekends or going to film festivals and, and meeting other filmmakers and connecting that way is really important uh, because this kind of stuff is not talked about the only way you can the only way you can really discover it is is by talking to people who have already gone through it. Um, and you can learn to negotiate this the same way you can learn to negotiate, you know, any other business. It even might be your, your – I thought it made me laugh when you say you're tired. Um, the uh, Yeah, it, it, it's kind of an exhausting business that it continues to, um, you know, enervate you. It, it's – I, I look at it, it's a, you know, a drug. It's a pain I can't live without, you know, creating these kind of <laughs> films. <laughs> right, right. Oh, well, you're just really lucky. That brain dance is a great uh, place to be, and, uh, and you will meet new people and <clears throat> new connections. And sometimes, <clears throat> I guess you meet them at the close of one film, but you can go to them for your next film. Right, right. Uh, I I actually, you know, made a call to the programmer uh, for Raindance. You know, I didn't go through the normal channels. Once they have, you know, that's part of the the other side of this. But there are actually, 
you know, you can get a uh, someone like the Film Collaborative who solicits film festivals for you and you get a screening fee and they fly you there instead of constantly being on film freeway or without a box, which is about to disappear. Uh, and, you know, constantly thinking, okay, I'm going to keep sending in my my entry fee and they're going to choose me. And then it's it's really, it's quite a political process. There are advantages to it, but I, if you haven't done it, I think you need to do it, Carol, is uh, a show on film festivals and how to choose the best ones for your film for whatever your intentions are. Uh-huh. Okay, good idea. For, for your own personal intentions, right. Right. Got Some it. people want their film, you know, <laughs> they think they just want it to go to PBS or they think it want they want a theatrical release or and and many times people are quite naive to what what really is going to happen with their independent film and and so uh but all I can say is from experience and from knowing many other filmmakers uh, who are independents every film you do builds on your credibility and and your IMDb and 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 you gain visibility you gain access to grants you gain access to people who can facilitate you being more successful. So it's it's not a, a one-time shot. You know, we're not all going to be the Cone brothers, and they actually, it's like, oh, they were an overnight success. No, not actually. They've been working for 10 years making movies in obscurity, you know. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's something you have to be committed to for sure. Like I said, you have to be willing to do it for free because most of the time you will. <laughs> Yes, yes, you have to, except, you know, the most important thing is to go into it, I believe, with the intent to make money, because documentaries in today's world, you're our only truth. You're the ones who are showing us what's happening in the world with an unbiased film, showing us both sides many times. Or just getting into the heart of the matter and letting us make the decisions. We don't have that with our reporters anymore. They just aren't reviewing things in depth like they used to. <clears throat> so you're very important, and making a living for yourselves is a key to success and to uncovering all this information and sharing it with us. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think media is uh, definitely controlled by special interests. I think there's naivete to think that liberal media is somehow less biased. That's not true. I've worked for NBC Nightly News. I've worked for many of the most liberal publications, and there is always an agenda. And uh, and I have to be honest and transparent in the fact that I think there's always an agenda with a filmmaker. Uh, you know, you at what I think the idea is that documentaries are unbiased but that's never really the case it's impossible to be unbiased uh, there was a film that just came out uh this last year uh, a documentary a great documentary called bias and you know we have 1170 biases uh ingrained in us uh you know every hour <laughs> really so, oh my gosh from, yeah. from marketing yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, marketing and how we were raised and our religious beliefs and our preferences and our opinions on uh, so many of these are subconscious. So my point is that, you know, we want to we want to strive for that. And that is the difference when you get an executive producer um, 
the uh you know sometimes you can end up in conflict with uh what the priorities for the the message is even if you're working as an independent i think that's really an important thing to to look at but um i i have uh an advantage in that i've been doing this for a while and i have several high net worth individuals uh, who also have a circle of more high net worth individuals who are interested in making a difference, you know, and, and carrying a message forward. And I think that's very important for independents to try to cultivate. If you, of course, if you're a struggling filmmaker working for free in Idaho to make that, you know, jump to find those people, that's, an, that's another advantage that you get when you start getting your film at film festivals, you start getting press, uh, you start being invited to places, it's all part of the machine of learning how to run the business of of making movies. The business of movies, yes. The business of film is what it's all about, learning that side. Well, <clears throat> let's get into the Nell Shipman story because uh, you had a screening recently in Los Angeles that Heather Lynn's put together, and what a wonderful film it is. I've seen it before, but it was so nice to see it in the theater on the big screen. And so I wanted to start with how you found the story and and have you give us some guidance on two filmmakers who may have a documentary that they want to make. So let us know as much as you can on how you got the rights to the footage that you used, how you found the footage, and uh, the whole beautiful journey of it. Well, I was, um, you know, in in my bio, it talks about I also write, you know, I'm an author. I've written eight books, and I was doing a uh, book on the sesquicentennial of Idaho. Idaho is quite a young state. We have eight square miles per person, and it's the fastest growing state right now, but it's um, quite beautiful, and, and we have the most wilderness of any state in the lower 48. So I was in the archives of the Idaho State Historical Society, and I saw a studio shot of Nell Shipman from 1919. Vitagraph was one of the studios there, and I go, gosh, who's that beautiful woman? I mean, I just couldn't imagine. It was so orchestrated, the photograph. And they said, oh, she was the first female filmmaker in Idaho 100 years ago. And I said, wait a minute. I have (laughs) been making movies for 20 years. And I live in Idaho. I'm the only female filmmaker in Idaho, and I've never heard of this woman, and how is that possible? You know, that that was how the story started. Um, now, you talk about synchronicity. Um, there was a uh, – Tom Trusky was a professor who had been doing research on the history of, of films that had been made here, like Heaven's Gate and North by Northwest, and several big films had been played out in this wilderness. And um, he found – he discovered Nell Shipman, and he actually went out in the 80s and had looked for all of the the original, you know, 16 millimeter um, films he could find. These are silent films that she had made, and start. And this was before the internet, mind you. He was writing letters to Russia and Germany, and he acquired some of her old footage, and then got grants through Boise State University to remaster those films onto, you know, VHS. And so what happened was he died suddenly of a heart attack and poor Nell Shipman just kind of drifted back into obscurity. And I think what's most important about this was as I looked, you know, my main question was I 
why don't I know about this woman? And I felt a debt once I started looking at that. She had been here. She had left the studio system, brought a, a, she was one of the first animal activists in Hollywood, bought an entire zoo of 70 animals to the wilderness, had crank cameras, wrote, produced, starred in her own films, left the Hollywood you know, system where she was signed to do this on her own. And, you know, I just kept becoming more and more impressed and thinking I could not have done what I've been doing for years if this woman hadn't done it 100 years ago in obscurity, and there she was still. So I got very committed to doing this film. But my main question was, uh, well, why don't I know about her? And as I started to actually research this, I found out that there were thousands of women during that period of time, before uh, Hollywood started to come into existence and run by the male establishment in Wall Street, um, that had been making films around the world, and they too had gone, you know, drifted in obscurity and been cut out of the studio system. And so this film, Girl from God's Country, ended up being the precursor to um, the whole wave of historical films that are now out with um, Be Natural and Alice Guy Blachet. There's one in the works on Ida Lupino. All these people were encased in this film on Nell Shipman because their story was Nell Shipman's story. And that's how I ended up meeting Gina Davis, who at that time was, you know, and had been for years working at Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media, looking at the discrimination in Hollywood, but nobody was really listening. And once Me Too kicked in, you know, this all went into high gear and this little film that was made for $100,000 and a lot of grants, um, in-kind grants, being able to use that footage from uh, Boise State University for free as giving them in exchange for executive producer credit. And they got a lot of visibility for the university uh, and their assets in the special archives in exchange for helping with that film. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, one of the magic things that happen when you have passion, people seem to, to want to help you. Uh, I remember through you, Carol, I met a woman that was from France who was doing a story on James Castle because she, her grandparents were deaf and it was about how to be an artist when you're deaf. And she contacted me and I helped her with this obscure artist from, from Idaho who has now gained great notoriety. So that's, you know, it's always that networking. Got to keep networking. That's really what it's all about, isn't it? It's networking. And uh, I love it when, uh, I, I, like Barbara Trent, sometimes when she would show her films uh, on the war, and then afterwards she would promote other filmmakers with the same type of, of films or films that she thought the audience would be interested in. I thought, you know, that's so generous. Filmmakers are generous and kind to each other, and that is so appreciated, Karen. So thank yeah, you for it's helping great. Uh, yeah, yeah. When we were, um, when I was just at, uh, when I was at Bentonville, I met two filmmakers who, uh, one, uh, Jackie Olive, who has Always in Season, a documentary that was gone, went through, you know, the um, PDS initiative. She was funded through um, uh, Chicken and Egg. And so this was her first feature production, and it was all about, you know, the uh, kind of uh, undercurrent of uh, hidden lynchings that are still going on in the South. And oh, a really God. important film. 
and mm-hmm. uh, so important. It, it's scheduled to go on PBS, but she helped me so much. I mean, she watched my film, which was similar about racial discrimination, and she goes, listen, I need to help you, you know, meet my agent. Here's someone who's a great PR person who's hooked, hooked into my film. That Those kind of things, you know, those personal referrals make all the difference in the world. Oh, they do. This is great. Well, um, how many years from beginning to end did it take you to fund and finish A Girl from God's Country? Well, I started in uh, 2014, actually actively making the story, and went through 2015 and then premiered it in early 2016. So it was only a couple of years. I I have to say I'm pretty prolific. I, you know, I right now I have... This I have Bamboo and Barbed Wire, which is launching. I'm in, you know, in three quarters done already in production on the next film, which is Voices from the Field that we were just talking about. I'm in pre-production on a film, uh, which is really innovative, uh, on the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage for next year, an animated short. And um, when I was in Nepal, I I think I was just saying to one of my executive producers who also composes music, which we haven't even talked about, which is a big gift when you're an independent, um, I was in Nepal. And I I, I have been saying, I'm not going to do any more independent, you know, I'm going to stop torturing myself like this. And sure enough, I went to Nepal and found a fascinating story that is begging <laughs> for a documentary. And I, I just said, oh, slap me. Please, someone slap me. <laughs> so there's that on the cards for later, the Nepal one? Mm-hmm. I have to say, I have to say, I, I'm going back in October already because it was, again, synchronicity. I was working in, 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 in one of the very small villages, and one of the doctors said, oh, come stay at my house. I live next door to the Kumari. The Kumari is an uh, amazing story about the kind of like the little female Dalai Lamas of Hinduism. And, um, you know, the idea of that tradition uh, uh, in a technological era, India is on, you know, in Nepal or just on the brink of going into the second, I mean, India already is the second world. It's not the third world. Um, and so anyway, I've been dragged into that because synchronicity again said, well, here it is on your plate. I'm just trying to hold myself back and finish, you know, I, I, one thing, one good piece of advice is make sure once you're done with your film, you don't abandon the baby. You know, it's uh, with with Bamboo and Barbed Wire, it's, an, it's a beautiful, important film with George Takei and Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And um, it deserves, it, it because of the political climate, I, I like to say I, I get to, instead of standing on a street corner ranting at, you know, what I don't agree in our political situation, I get to have a film that I can promote and feel like I'm doing something important to, to make a political statement without being divisive. Right. Exactly. Well, now, let's uh, go back to two years is really a short time to make a doc. So you did really quite well to produce that film in two years. But then, of course, you had a lot of uh, finished uh, work that the gentleman uh, who died left you. He had done a lot of work right, for right. you. And, right, you that, know, was that was a, was a 90-minute documentary. And for the, the footage that was provided, which was, you know, a full – 
42 minutes of the documentary, her original footage, that was already done. If I had had to go, and that's what happened with the Alex, Alice Guy Blachet, uh, Joan Simon Paris, who uh, produced the uh, the Be Natural and Alice Guy Blachet, they had to, pay, I can't even, I'm not allowed to tell you, but they had to pay an astronomical amount to the heirs of Alice Guy Blachet to get the rights to use the footage, and it took them six years. And so yes. their budget just kept going up and up and up and up. And, and you know, these are the kind of things that, you know, it's, it, it's the business of filmmaking. So you know, I always say if you're going to start, if you're starting on a film, make sure you've got access to the, to the assets so that you don't have to bankrupt yourself for the story from the beginning. Make sure you have access to the assets. Very well stated. This is a key, a very important key. Well, let me ask you about selling it. I think this is wonderful that you sold uh, Nell Shipman to uh, Turner Classics. So did you go after them? Did you walk in there direct, or did you get a sales agent? How did that happen? It goes through, uh, I have a distributor where women make movies. And that's another thing to talk about, getting a distributor um, as an independent. Often, you know, everybody thinks, oh, I want a distributor, I want a distributor, and somehow that's going to change your life. Um, the one thing I can say is try to, once, if you do have a distributor that's interested, that immediately contact, uh, you know, several distributors to see if they will be interested because then you have more power, as we talked about, to negotiate a minimum guarantee. Number one thing I say to independent filmmakers is your MG, your minimum guarantee with the distributor, may be the only dime you ever see. So make sure that you negotiate that, and the best way to do it is get more interest than one distributor. Uh, I did have that, and so I was able to uh, negotiate a more money than women make movies offered. And I naively thought, oh, well, this is going to be a cakewalk now. But what's true is, you know, they're great. Deborah Zimmerman is a, a great president, but they're in the business of making money on movies and they're like a shark. They have to keep moving to pick up the and compete with all the distributors to pick up the next great documentaries that are coming out there that are made by women about women. That's what they specifically concentrate on. They But what they're quite good at is educational sales. They are stellar at that. Their their strength is not is not um, broadcast or um, streaming marketing. And I literally had to become a thorn a thorn. And you know, I, I've been working with major network media for a long time, so I know what it's like to to push. Um, and some people don't have that advantage. Of course, I'm older too. You know, it's a <laughs> It's not like I'm 20. I've been around the block, as they say, about 4,000 times. So um, <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the bottom line is it, it, none of it's easy. I actually, there's a sales agent. It was a daily process of what are you doing, what's happening. Uh, can Otherwise, you just, you know, you seep into the carpet and you're thinking, oh, it's going to happen for me. Mm-mm. And I can definitely say there have been a couple of great films I have uh, the great film Sunita, which was about the Afghan rapper who escaped uh, a a plan, you know, a arranged marriage by uh, somebody was doing a documentary on her, and they bought it out, uh, bought out, bought her out of the marriage. But the and it won audience award at Sundance, and she went off, and it was sold to uh, P 
PBS National, and um, I can't divulge how much it was, but I would say it's not enough to buy a used car. Yes. And yet, um, yes. you know, and, and yet, it, you know, that, and PBS, you know, they're, they're always, you know, of, of the mind that, wow, we're going to lose our funding and the conservative pol- politicians are going to take it away. Well, they haven't. And, and I really feel that um, that that art of film negotiation is uh, the number one thing in the art of film funding. You, you have to be your own best advocate. And uh, you, you just, you know, you want to say, oh, I'm an artist. I've got to. Well, you can be a starving artist all you want, but you better learn to be a business person too if you want to make a living at your art. Yes, I sound really hard at don't I? <laughs> no, but this is really important. Please continue along this line because I have been doing some research and I've written my first blog on this to say that the films are being stolen literally. Uh, after people have worked for six, maybe even ten years to get something finished. Uh, and the interesting thing is uh, that they know, they know Netflix bid 25000 for a completed feature. And then um, Hulu bid 22000 Well, how did they know? what Netflix was bidding, you know, you want to, it's as if there's something funny going on here. And first of all, why would they, that's an insult. Uh, That would be about what you would pay your lawyer to make a feature. So, and then with docs, it's getting to be the same thing. They want to take it for almost nothing. And so you've got to take your power back and become a good negotiator. And, and like I said, Go ahead and cultivate more than one because you can get them to bid against each other if you have had a, you know, a positive, if you've maybe gotten some, you don't have to win best doc at a a film festival, but if you've gotten a good audience and a good review and if you've actually gotten into the film festival on your own, you often can, uh, you know, get a distributor because that's something we don't talk about. Film festivals, you know, they're right now seeing up to 3,000 entries in brain dances. And, they, oh. you know, it's $80 to go ahead and apply if you're an independent to rain dance. How much money do they make doing that? And um, so, you know, if you get in, you're one of those 3,000 actually chosen on the merit of your film, you have a good chance of meeting some distribu- distributors there. Um, and if you haven't, then start talking to other filmmakers who have, and you'll you can you know make the contact yourself. Uh, one thing that's interesting, like at Sheffield, they have a a doc platform. So after the festival, for people who obviously the distributors and the sales agents couldn't get to every single movie, it stays up for six months, and they have access to all the films that that premiered. So you and and any agent who didn't even go to the festival can access it. And so those are those are tools that um, when you do produce something that is worthy of uh, viewership, that there are lots of tools to help you get the film out there. But it is really up to the filmmaker themselves, um, with you know hopefully a great producer, executive producer. Uh, 
but I've, you know, uh, my executive producers ha- have contributed money, but they've never been active executive producers um, in terms of negotiating and so forth. It's always been up to, to me as an independent to get that done. Well done. Well, now you say you did use a sales agent recently. Or do you normally use a sales I, agent? You know, I have to. I know a couple of great sales agents. I've never used them. I didn't have to. I was picked up by distributors and already like on Bamboo and Barbed Wire, I have three offers. This time, I'm going slowly because I've only been to two film festivals. And since I got so much, and, and this is such a hot topic, and I have George K., I'm, I'm not jumping on a distribution offer. I realized that as the momentum builds in the fall, which is the big season, uh, you know, after the spring, I mean, we just barely got the film finished. We almost had a, like a rough cut for the, its world premiere. Um, so, you know, now that it's polished and it's got the audio and it's got the music done, um, then, uh, you know, I'm going to wait till I get through the fall season with the film festival. Uh, and then I'll choose, uh, you know, then I'll negotiate with the distributor. Great. Great. You get a bid from each one and go back to the others and say, this is what I was bid. Is that how you well, do yeah, it? They, you know, the key content is king. People need, they need quality content for streaming. This is not, you know, I'm, you have to be realistic as a filmmaker and know this isn't, you know, the film I'm doing is not a theatrical release. And um, it's it, like Gina just Gina Davis just released This Changes Everything, which is a documentary, which part of my documentary is in that about how gender discrimination, you know, permeates not only media but Hollywood. And and she I see they're just doing a theatrical release and it's Gina Davis and she can promote it because she's a celebrity. But I can't see that that's going to be a big success at theaters. Um, people are going to theaters to be entertained because streaming is so much more available now. So I think uh, one of the, the another great thing to keep in mind when you're an independent is know what your market is. Don't be naive. Don't think you're going to get a hundred theater, uh, re- you know, premier release date if it's it's not realistic, especially with docs. Exactly. What is the title of this film? Regina Davis's recent film. This, this changes everything. And, and okay. it, it's made by Tom Donahue. He did Thank You for Your Service, um, a great documentary filmmaker. And um, it's, it was, you know, Meryl Streep is in it. They've got all the heavy hitters talking about discrimination. I mean, but I thought it was an interesting title because uh, when we were at Bentonville, she talked about it. And it was like every time something happens, like me too, you go, this changes everything. And she goes, but it's been my experience over doing this for the last, you know, 10 years. We say that over and over, but it's really not changing. You know, it's really <laughs> so not true. changing. And so I thought it's an ironic title. This changes everything. Well, not really. <laughs> yes, that's great. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, um, so you, uh, what about outreach? What do you suggest to filmmakers uh, do you take the time to do the outreach and do the community screenings is the first question because I'm finding that so many documentaries coming through my film grant are perfect for community screenings. That's the real market more so than film festivals because they, they have a direct market. Maybe it's the Alzheimer's market or 
uh, maybe it's the PTSD, maybe it's the government uh, market. What are you finding about uh, outreach? Well, I think it depends, again, on on the filmmaker knowing their market. Uh, you know, I'm... I, I definitely one thing I can say that uh, as a filmmaker and as a journalist, my purpose is to try to reach as many people as possible. So we talked about earlier the idea of having a bias. Um, when I, I'll give you a really good example, like in terms of an outreach, my film one of the one of the executive producers is the National. Um, Japanese American Citizens League, huge, huge, huge organization that's been very vocal, just pro- just protesting over at Fort Sill, uh, the idea of Trump putting in children into the site of a former Japanese American incarceration camp. So um, I had that kind of support from them in the beginning, and so they have a built-in Japanese American audience. But the truth is, the Japanese Americans already know this happened, and. Uh, you know, they already know the import of learning from mistakes. And their number one, their number one motto is never, never again. Well, God forbid, here we are. Um, and <laughs> uh, so I looked at that and I said, how do I, how do I make this inherently liberal message um, appeal to a broader audience? in terms of outreach and getting it to people. And so I looked for content. You know, I was, I'm so in love. I'm such a, a, she, a she fan of, of RBG that I'm like, oh, my God, I've got RBG. I'm going to put her in the front. I'm going to you know, wave flags and wear a T-shirt with her image on the front, you know. But then I realized what happens. I live in a very conservative state. I'm a liberal who has worked for our very Republican governors, two of them, uh, you know, and worked with warlords in Afghanistan, I realized that the only way you make change, you can't convince someone to change their mind. You can touch their heart. You can, you can make, you know, present common sense, but it's the human story. It's when they feel some affinity. They feel some empathy. They are drawn into a compassionate experience that, that you can actually inform people and then they might change their mind so i looked at what i could do with bamboo and barbed wire and it the the heart of this story is a a military story and that crosses the boundary to conservative and liberal and it speaks to everyone about honor and duty and sacrifice far beyond you know racial discrimination and uh so i ended up sacrificing my fandom of rbg for you know the greater the greater good of the message um and and from that it has really it's really uh, i'm proud to say that it, it is touching all sides now uh you know of the spectrum the political spectrum from that point of view um and in terms of you know community screen so i have support of a, you know i would say yes try to find the the organizations that absolutely do that the other side of that is carol that it's work you you could have a full-time person not only doing your social media but doing this kind of organizational logistics of trying to or you know promote and get the theater and get people into the seats and sell the tickets and that's a full-time job um and and so a lot of people don't have that skill especially if they're you know a filmmaker that is a logistical skill, and they might even, you know, they don't have it as a line item in their 
budget to, for afterwards. I do know, though, that one of the very practical things is there are many grants available for outreach just for that. When you have a film done, if you can, you know, get your self together enough to have a line budget and an outreach program, there are grants available for finished films to, to do community outreach, to get a dialogue going. That's good to know because you certainly need it by the time you get there. Um, it's a long haul, but that's when you need help the most, I think. Well, it's, you know, there are really good resources out there. I mean, just women in film, you can go to their website and they have a link to every single type of film funding grant that is available. And you can spend a very long time, if you're a smart filmmaker, looking at the grants where your time will be best spent uh, for where you are in the process to apply. It's the same thing with film festivals. Don't go applying because everyone goes to Sundance. Uh, it, I, I don't even want to go into the real politics of Sundance, so it, it would <laughs> make everyone cry. So, um, it's, uh, so yeah, that's the outreach is possible, and be prepared, you know, that that's your next full-time job after your movie's finished. <laughs> right. Or connect with someone who does that, or can, uh, and find that out early on, and put that in as a as a marketing uh, budget, marketing outreach budget. But now let's go back to publicity because uh, you mentioned that briefly. But who did you use to, for publicity on uh, Girls from God's Country, as well as the Bamboo and Barbed War? Now, okay. If you if you listen to my CV, I come from media, right? I've worked as an independent producer for network television. I've worked as a radio producer for NPR. I have written books. I work for the Pentagon. I come with, a, you know, kind of a preternatural sense on how to work, you know, with media contacts. Everybody says, how did you get RBG? Well, I produced for BBC independently from war zones and in Iraq and Baghdad, and I knew a producer who had done a segment, and I said, can you give me a contact that will get me into her? So, you know, that kind of getting press, um, start local, start local. I mean, you know, send it to every – local papers, because newspapers are going down, are not reviewing local films anymore. Um, you're, so your key has to be online. IndieWire is not even coming to independent film festivals anymore. It used to be, you know, they were wooed and brought in and they'd write about, you know, a, a little darling. That stuff's gone. Um, it's yeah. because there's so much competition to get our eyes on content. Uh, I, I heard some horrifying fact from advertising, uh, you know, age that within every single minute we are now online bombarded. It used to be seven seconds for our attention span, but because now the online uh, bombardment of content is up to 177 uh, items per minute. Meaning if you're online oh and you're on, that's how competitive it is for our, our attention online. And it's only going more so that way, you know. Um, so start local, you know, appeal to your local radio stations um, so you can get an interview, uh, talk, look, look at your local bloggers, people that are just like you, that are interested in film. Uh, they had 
several independent bloggers, movie reviewers who came into Bentonville who took a great deal of time. I got a 15-minute interview on the 15 minutes on the local NPR in Arkansas, the best coverage I've ever gotten. Um, and that went on to you know national NPR because they were so they were just so thorough and engaged because they had an incarceration camp in in Arkansas, so it, uh-huh. it had some local pertinence. So per, pursue that local um, every single local uh, item you can. And if you're in Los Angeles, well, you know you're up against every other filmmaker and machine, but. Keep going, you know. Go to Keep go going. to where from the heart is, and I, you guys are in Oxnard, right? Uh, yeah, there, there. You know, every single small town has an NPR affiliate, um, and people that do arts reviews. Uh, you know, talk to those people. Be human and reach out. That's how you can do the outreach, and that's a good place to start where you'll get some results. Right. Well, tell us in general, I know um, you've been so generous with your time, and I sincerely thank you, but basically, uh, what can you share with filmmakers uh, as the things that you found were most difficult to overcome in making and producing these last two or three films that you've done? Uh, It's got to be your tenacity to stick with it, but what can you advise people that they may run into it where they might think that this is it, I can't push forward or I don't know how to get through this, to keep going and uh, see the end as as uh, in sight and not lost? Well, I do think um, one really important thing, Carol, which I want to acknowledge you from the Heart Productions, uh, you know, you're a great resource for um, finding inspiration because – it, it, it's a hard slog, any artist will tell you, but making a film is takes so much time. And it's not like writing a book where you can get in advance uh, to finish it. Uh, and so in that sense, I mean, you'd, I don't want to advise people to be as neurotic as I am in terms of, you know, having to start something and keep going. Um, but, uh, you know, because my mentality is really gold goal driven you know I I I, I would take that well, I'm not kidding people say I did a TED talk and they're like well don't you get depressed doing all the and I go no because I really would probably be standing on a street corner in a box saying the end is near <laughs> if I didn't have this this medium to, to do this so I yes. feel blessed you know I feel blessed to do it um but I think that you know to uh look outside of of the process for your inspiration at a certain point is necessary because it, 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 it does become overwhelming. There's so much rejection. It, it's um, if you have, you know, a good team behind you that is just as passionate as you are in the project. A lot of times, you know, uh, when you can all cry in your beer for a while, it seems somebody cycles out and says, okay, let's, you know, stand up, get our, pull us up by our bootstraps and get back out there because we're not finished. Um, the uh, and so in terms of you know the tenacity, um, I, I what's true is I you know I definitely lose steam at times. I get discouraged, uh, but um, I also have you know the incredible blessing and honor to be working in places where people have 
so much less than what we have in terms of what's available to us as opportunities that I'm constantly reminded, you know, uh, just to shut up and do the work. (laughs) Uh, You know how lucky we all are, right? You see it on your trips. I do see it. And it's so funny. I, you know, I, like I mentioned the TED talk, I did the, uh, the end of impossible. And it was about really, truly about how I had a life changing moment in the produce department about a woman who was complaining about, you know, the arugula being wilted after I had just come from a refugee camp where nobody had a drink of water. And I was just like, Oh my God, Oh my God, my life will never be the same. You know, I, I, I really, the Western, that's why I said when we feel discouraged, there are so many possibilities and, and most of them, you know, come down. It's not, a, I don't, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm not a person. I, there is no hope. I don't believe in hope. I believe in, you know, I, I'm a Yodaite. Uh, there is only do. And, um, you know, you're allowed to, to lose steam and, Nobody else is going to do the work for you if it's your project. So either do it or forgive yourself and move on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, Exactly. I sound like, you know, I have, I, I, you know, it's so great when you ask these questions because I sound like, God, she's really got her, you know what, together. No, I don't. I'm insane. I'm insane. (laughs) I've got so much stuff. My inbox right now is leaping at me with things I haven't done and and it's uh you know but it's really easy when you ask questions you know to sound wise for about 13 seconds and then hang up and and, and, you know my hair is on fire with the amount of work I have to do (laughs) (laughs) right but you get it done one thing at a time you get it done which is so important look at what you're doing for us the historical documentaries that you have made and are making are so important not just for today, but in the future, to show people how things were, and God willing, to show them how films helped change, make change in people. That's right. Well, tell us how we can make an impact. How we can make an impact. Tell us how people can contact you. Give us your production company and the information, because anyone listening wants to hire a team to help them with their project. Well, how can they find you? Well, uh, Karen at KarenDay.net. You go to my my website, KarenDay.net, uh, and there's a contact button. You can go through Bamboo and Barbed Wire. You can go through Girl from God's Country. All of these have websites, and, and they have contact buttons. You can find me there. I'm, I live in Idaho. It's uh, eight square miles per person, so it, it, in some way that's a, a self-soothing environment that allows me to take off and go to, you know, go off to England for uh, the Sheffield Docks. But um, I travel constantly, and I'm really interested, you know, if I have many times, and a lot, really, Carol, through From the Heart Productions, have been uh, been contacted by people. And I'm always willing to, you know, give uh, a bit of advice if, if I have it. If I don't, I'm, I won't uh, pretend I do. That's I don't have time to pretend. (laughs) Right, right. Well, thank you so much for this information, and good luck on this story about the uh, 80-cent product that can save women's lives. You can't walk away from that. It's just too good. 
It is voices from the field. You can watch for that one next. Uh, that's, uh, but hopefully, hopefully everybody will, uh, you know, be somewhere. We're looking at uh, PBS somewhere for bamboo and barbed wire. That's that's what's next up. And Nell Shipman, girl from God's country. It's you know you can go to the website. You can see where you can can stream it uh, on what platforms. All kinds of things are available. And you know go to from the heart productions and stay connected with you guys and uh just it, there are so many great things like the film fatals is a great um, uh, organization film collaborative places you know women make movies places you can go even if you're even if you're a male filmmaker to find resources oh thank you so much we really appreciate well good luck with your projects thank you thank you karen thank you and thank you for all you do carol i really appreciate it Oh, you're so welcome. It's my heart. So, Claire, thanks <laughs> for your support. All right. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, Karen, grateful for all that you shared today. Thank you. Thank you for all the right. opportunity. Okay. Sure. Thanks a lot. And Bye-bye. to our listeners, I want to tell you how grateful we are for the donations that you've given at fromtheheartproductions.com to support our podcast. Carol and I sincerely thank you, and we'd love to hear from you with ideas for more shows. So please contact us, share topics that you're interested in, people that you would like to hear interviewed. Just let us know. And please join us next week for the Art of Film Funding podcast. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>